I recently watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, the story of Queen and really Freddie Mercury, and it was a tragic story, but full of incredible and beautiful music and artistry as well. Truly, he was a tortured soul that was looking for something. He was lost. And in his song, The Show Must Go On, he sings, does anybody really know what we are living for? That's a great question, and it's a question we all struggle with to some degree. So we should talk about that here as well. Thanks for choosing Church Public. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to Church Public. I'm glad that you joined us here today. We continue to mix faith and culture. Today, we're going to be more about faith, though, again, as we started on the story of Queen and Freddie Mercury, that's an important point of culture as well, because songs bring a window to the soul of what we're trying to figure out in our life. And that was a great song that really explores some philosophical ideals. And that leads into theological ideas of what is this life really about? Is there really a meaning to this life? So thank you for joining us here. If you haven't already, check out churchpublic.com. You can go to iTunes, Spotify, Apple, wherever, and subscribe to the podcast. You can go to YouTube, search Church Public One Word, and find some of the videos there if you're interested in that. Subscribe, like, and hit the notification bell there so that you get notified when new videos are posted. I continue to try and bring you more content more frequently so that we can understand this world and live in it, but not be of it, as Jesus said, and that we can really grow into and live better lives as followers of Jesus. That is the main goal here. So today we're just looking at that age-old question, what's the meaning of life really? And that's an age-old question that I don't really expect you to believe me or answer today. However, um, we want to explore it and I want to give you a biblical example of the answer to the question, what I believe the answer to the question is based on scripture and based on a bunch of people that are smarter than me. But before we get to that, there was an author named Jonathan Gabay, and he was struggling with the meaning of life as well. So he reached out to people all over uh, the world and asked that question, what is the meaning of life? And he got some great answers. So I wanted to share some of those answers before we get into some of the answers from the scripture. You have a person named John Harvey Jones said to leave the world a little bit better. Sounds nice. Uh, Danielle Aaron's Megan said, life is the art of picnics and wildflower smelling. There you go. Uh, Ronnie Barker, this one's sad, said, life is meaningless, but it is wonderful. Meaningless, but wonderful. Sad times there. Uh, John Lennon, you've probably heard of, said, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. That was in another song as well. Um, Dennis the Menace, I believe a fictional character, but hey, said, life is what you make it, and I can make it unbearable. That came across in some of his cartoons. And then many people, of course, as we transition, uh, it's a whole book full, so it's actually a fairly interesting book. It's not something you necessarily read through, but it's good to skim through and see some ideas philosophically, theologically, of what people thought the meaning of life is. And that's important for us. It's important for us to figure out why we're here and what is the whole point. Because if we don't understand the meaning, if we don't have purpose in our lives, we really get lost in the weeds. Like we really cannot function. I believe in humanity, we really do need purpose. To have no purpose, these poor people that say life is meaningless, 
I, I don't know how you can survive and thrive in a world that literally doesn't have meaning. So um, even Albert Einstein weighed in on this in the book and said, the man who regards his life and that of other fellow creatures as meaningless is not merely unhappy, but is hardly fit for life. Again, kind of reaching into a deeper soul meaning that you really have to have some purpose. You really have to have some meaning in life. And I believe that is 100% true. And Paul believed that was true. And of course, Jesus believed that was true as well. And then you have some people in the book like Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, and others whom you would expect that point to the meaning and purpose of life obviously is and only can be found in Jesus Christ. For believers, this is absolutely the case. Our meaning and our life have to be from Jesus. There is no other place. In Colossians 1, Paul, the apostle, um, wrote that Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's such a great phrase, and we have to dive into it a little bit because we have to understand, and, and what Paul actually talks about in this passage is, this is actually a mystery. And it's a mystery that has been a mystery for a long time, kind of Paul uh, pointing to the idea that the meaning of life is a little bit of a mystery and it is a little bit hard to nail down. And that's why so many different people have so many views of what it is. And yet Paul says, I want to explain it to you in Colossians and says, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So when you have Christ, that is actually what gives you the hope. Without Christ, again, I don't understand how you can have hope. And we're going to talk about that in a moment um, and how sometimes we struggle without Christ to find hope and to find meaning. Because really, you can try and fill your heart with all kinds of things. And people try to fill their hearts with all kinds of things. And that's what people are doing in this country and around the world. But you will never be filled until you are filled in Christ. Christ is your hope. And Christ is in you through the power of God, through the power of the Spirit. Christ is in you. And you are in Christ. Without Christ, I think you can manufacture hope. You can manufacture joy for a while. But eventually, they're going to wear out. You cannot live in a world where there is not more to this life, where you end up like that person we just heard a moment ago, that life is meaningless. And they can even add the addendum to it and say, well, it's beautiful. And sure, creation is beautiful and there are beautiful moments in life. But the reality is, as you probably know, I think this life is actually filled with more pain than beauty. While the world is beautiful and creation is beautiful and we have beautiful moments of love and life and joy and friendship and family, there's a lot of pain in this world too for every person on this world. So without the hope that is in Christ and the hope in the future that we have with Christ, I don't know how you can do more than just manufacture hope or joy or happiness for a little while. And people try all kinds of ways. Jim Carrey, the actor, once said, quote, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer, end quote. I really like that quote because it explores and, and shows a person who literally had fame and fortune and everything that people think that they want. And he achieved that in his life and got to that point and found that it wasn't the answer. And you, are, you hear many, many stories of people like that. There are stories of all kinds of people who sought after as much as they could have, and yet it didn't actually fill up whatever that thing inside that was searching for more is. Even Rockefeller, who at one point was the most uh, richest person on the planet, I believe at the time, was asked by some members of the press, hey, 
how much money is enough money because he was the richest man on earth. And so his answer was, quote, just a little bit more. Again, even when you have everything that you want, you don't quite have everything you want because there's always more. And if you're looking for satisfaction from the things of this world, unfortunately, don't take it from me because obviously I don't have everything and I don't have all the money in the world and I don't have all the things and fame and things in the world. There are people who have literally have everything in the world and still answer, there's just not even enough. And you can even go to Ecclesiastes and, and listen to Solomon who even more than any of these recent people who have lived had more than anything and he ended up in this place saying it's all meaningless without god that's uh it's it's rather a on the one hand kind of depressing book to read through but on the other hand it's very hopeful because you realize that it's depressing if you put your faith and hope and joy and happiness in all of the things of this world and again take it from people like rockefeller or Solomon, who literally had everything on the planet available to them. There was nothing they could not get or do or have. And they still came to the conclusion, yeah, it wasn't enough. And it's never going to be enough because you cannot have enough on this world. And that's okay because what we really need is not outside things. What we really need is an inside thing. And as Paul said, Christ in you is the hope of glory. The fact that Christ lives in you when you follow after him, when you accept him, when you live according to to Jesus, that inside thing begins to change. And so you're less affected by the outside things that you'll never have enough of. And that's really important because fame is not the answer and money is not the answer and even base desires are not the answer. Um, there is this new weird sexual revolution going on in the world. Uh, I even read yesterday that syphilis, um, a sexually transmitted disease, which once was eradicated from America, has made a huge resurgence, um, which is gross and sad and terrible. And yet people continue to search after these desires of their hearts and try to fill them with things and people and relationships and experiences that just won't fill them and it's it's incredibly sad to me like it it's it's sad to look out and say that people and see that people are just looking for things that will not satisfy and when right here in front of us we have this thing that's going to satisfy but we've been tricked we've been tricked by this world and this is where faith and culture collide the culture is saying go out and do whatever you want to do and that is going to make you happy it is a lie, but that's what the culture is saying at every level on every aspect. And it's just not true because this hedonistic lifestyle, it promises to give you freedom in all of your desires, but really it enslaves you to your desires. When you give yourself over to your desires, you are not free, you're enslaved. And just talk to any addict and they will tell you that. They thought they were pursuing this thing that freed them and gave them a new level of experience and even some say a new level of consciousness. But in the end, they were enslaved by it and could not escape it. And that's why uh, you need these programs like 12-step programs and, and uh, NA and AA and all these other programs that help you get through because 
once you get enslaved into this place, it's really hard to get out on your own. Instead, what God wants to do is give you freedom, which to this world, again, in the topsy-turvy nature of this world, people think that following God, following some of the, quote, commands of scripture feels like uh, a burdensome and it feels like it takes away all the fun and it feels like then you can't do what you want to do. So obviously that's cumbersome. But it really is the opposite. It's the freedom that we have in Christ and it's the freedom to live according to the guidelines that God gives us that really allows us to be free. And it, I don't know if that sounds counterintuitive to you. I've talked to people that it does. They're like, well, that that's like, I don't want to be boxed in. So I'm just going to go and do whatever I want to do. But then they end up in these places where the they've made bad choices and the bad choices actually box them in more and and they don't understand that until they get there and that's the sad part and so what god wants to do and say is hey i don't want you to get to that point where you're enslaved by your passions i want you to get free to live in the spirit in the spirit of christ only through self-control and the power of the spirit are you actually free and i know that sounds backwards maybe to you but but it's, that's actually the real road forward here. Paul says to Titus and Timothy, here's a couple of verses for you. Titus 2, 11. The grace of God appeared in Jesus, bringing salvation for all people. This is verse 12. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So did you hear that? Like, we want to go towards our passions. That's just the way we're wired as human beings, but that's not necessarily good for us. You probably know, and you probably have situations in your life where you felt a certain way and you acted a certain way, and then that led you to a place that you regret because you didn't think about it and you didn't follow God's advice on the situation and you just felt like you should do something and then it ended up really poorly. And instead, Paul is telling Titus here, be self-controlled. And that self-control doesn't always come from you entirely. It comes from the Spirit of God. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit is actually self-control. And poor self-control, I think, gets a bad rap because, I don't know, people just really don't like self-control. Right? That's what we're talking about today. Yet, it's such an important aspect because it keeps you going in the direction that you're supposed to go. It's this idea of discipline and yet this control over your own desires and control over all of the feelings and thoughts and ideas that pop into your head and into your heart and into your body that you want to act on but aren't necessarily the best things for you. Um, and then in 2 Timothy 1.7, this is what Paul says to Timothy, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We read that the other day in terms of fear, but it also has a great emphasis on self-control. The self-control part of this is a really important part of this. And this is really hard for us because we don't want to be limited. I feel like self-control seems like it makes our life limited. And of course, you don't want that because you just want to do whatever you want to do. And that's what the culture is telling us all the way. The culture is saying we should do whatever we want to do. And everyone is saying that and to have no responsibility for what you do. So not only do you want to have your way all the time, might be a famous burger chain that says your way right away, right? And But that's that's the epitome of our culture. You want it your way right away. This whole pandemic has been a great example of that because 
all of a sudden everything is closed. I don't know what state you were in for this, but some states were really, really closed. And the only thing you could do is call somebody, email somebody to bring you stuff. You couldn't even go to the place and get your own stuff, but you got it your way. And a lot of it was right away. And then when internets were down or when the food service delivery was down, like you lost your minds because, oh no, what are we gonna do? How can I live without having it my way right away? Yet that's not necessarily the best way for us. Like sometimes to have responsibility and to work for things and, and to get to the end of things is important. And you see that through the riots that we saw that, that people are, I mean, I was a couple of miles away from a city that got burned down earlier last year. And there were not a lot of people who were held responsible for that, but it's not okay to burn down a city. It's not okay to beat people and, 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 and throw things at people and, and shoot people. It's not, it's not okay to do that. And yet for some reason, certain people think there's no responsibility for your actions based on previous circumstances. And, and that's just not true. That's just not the case. Like the circumstances in life are hard for people, period. And yet that doesn't give you license to do whatever you want to do. You, that That's not how this works. That's not how this world works. God says, you used to have this an eye for an eye. That's not a good way to live. In fact, that's a whole limiting principle that we're not gonna get into historically right now, but but essentially the the battle there is if someone does wrong to you, you get to do the wrong back to them. If someone kills your brother, you get to kill their brother. But historically, what happens in that case, and it still happens today in some countries in the Middle East and other, you just have endless, like hundreds of years long battles between groups because there is no end to that. There is no end to if you kill me, I kill you, you kill my family, I kill your family. Like. There's no end to that because vengeance is not good. Vengeance is not good for us. And in fact, God says it's his to take care of justice. It's not ours uh, in that vengeance sense. Like, so we have to be careful how we go forward. Um, and, and we'll talk more about justice on, on another time. I've got some thoughts about that as well. But, but the, the point here is, you are responsible for you and you are responsible for your actions. No one else can control you or control your actions. You get to have the choice. You get to have the choice whether you're going to exercise self-control and use the power of the spirit to limit you in a good way and do the right things, make the right actions. Or if you're going to say, I'm just going to follow my heart. I'm going to follow my feelings. I'm going to follow my anger. I'm going to follow whatever's inside of me to the end of wherever that goes. And it doesn't matter what I do because... I should be free to do whatever I want to do. Hopefully, as you're hearing that, you realize that's a terrible idea because you are not the center of the universe. Sorry. And if you continue to live like that, you're going to run into another person who thinks the same thing and thinks they're the center of the universe. And all of a sudden, now you're in a battle and now it really can escalate to life or death really quickly. And that's terrible. We, we want to show love to one another. And one of the ways we can show love to one another is not acting on all of our impulses, but rather, as Jesus says, and as Paul says, and as many of the writers of the gospel say, put others ahead of yourself. That's not an easy thing to do. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is important and it is good. It is good to live according to self-control, according to the spirit. And until Jesus is at the center of your life, you will not find fulfillment. Um, as Paul wrote, 
Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ is in you and Christ helps you through the power of the Spirit to make the choices that are the right choices, not the choices that are the wrong choices. And again, if left to your own universe and left to your own thoughts and your own head, sometimes we don't make the right choices. I think you probably know that. Um, it's hard to acknowledge sometimes, but but we have to live like that and we have to live rightly. And, and that's really hard. And sometimes it means, as Jesus says, denying ourselves, not doing the thing that we want to do. And of course, we want to do what we want to do. Everybody knows that. Everybody has known that since they were a baby. And everybody has known that since um, you wanted to have a, a lollipop when you were a kid and you screamed at your parents until you got it because you wanted what you wanted and you wanted it right then. And we're not that different now. We've, some of us have grown up a little bit, but we still want what we want, whether that's you know, food or the next technology or a car or a house or a relationship or whatever it is. You, know, you want what you want, but that's not always good. We have to weigh that with Jesus and his will and the power of the Spirit in us and, and the gifts of the Spirit and whether that's self-control or whether it's another, whether it's grace or patience or love. We have to decide what is the best thing for us to do and how are we going to accomplish that. So you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you and you have to continue on that journey towards maturity. You don't get to be mature right away. Just like as we grow up through life, we learn to be more mature. We learn to do things better. We learn to continue to grow. And Paul talks about that in Colossians, um, again, verses 28, 29 and, and surrounding. He talks about how we have to continue to grow and we have to continue to aim towards that. So how are you going to do that today? What are you going to do to grow today? Or are you going to do whatever you want to do. You, you have the choice. I'm not making the choice for you. I'm just saying what Jesus has said, what Paul has said, um, what God has said is a better way than living for yourself. But you have the choice. Um, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to believe me. You can do whatever you want to do. God and, and Jesus again says he wants you to have an abundant life. And part of the abundance in life is doing things that are good for you, not doing things that are bad for you. And sometimes you can decide if you acknowledge this, sometimes you don't always know what's best for you. And yet God, God of the universe, the God who was before and who will be after, um, Alpha and Omega knows. He knows what's best and he's seen where you came from. He knows where you're going. And you have to decide whether you're going to trust that he knows better than you. So that's up to you. I leave that to you. I hope that you work through this. Maybe read Colossians and decide like if this makes sense to you. Decide if you're going to live for Jesus today. If you're going to include Jesus in your life and in your heart and in your action and in everything that you do. If you're going to choose to have self-control or not. Again, up to you. I hope and pray that you choose to follow after Jesus. And I hope and pray that you choose to use that self-control in all of your decisions because I think that's better not only for you, but for everyone in your life. And I hope that you choose to keep the faith. God bless. We'll talk to you soon.